Uh, Reverend Marriott, he read into your hearing already from James uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 17. And this is the word of God. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the clothes, fine clothes, and say, have a seat here, please, while to the other, to the one who is poor, you say, stand here or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And this is the word of God for the people of God. 
Uh, and for this afternoon, my sermonic title is going to be The Sunken Place. The Sunken Place. Now, this may sound familiar to some of you. If, like myself, you enjoy getting out on a Friday night and seeing a good movie or wherever the case may be, by a show of hands, how many people here have seen Get Out? Okay. <laughs> And that's where I have played with the phrase, the sunken place today. Uh, Get Out was produced by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele, if you remember that, uh, a black director. Uh, the movie came out the early part of last year. It su surprised Hollywood in the box office because it grossed uh, $176 million, uh, one of the highest grossing movies of any African-American with a cast that's majority African-American, only surpassed by uh, the Black Panther that came out this year, which made, I believe, about 1.2 or $1.3 billion in the box office uh, this year. Uh, but there was a, a sense, there was a, a premise behind the movie, the sunken place that he was playing on that many African-Americans often find themselves in, these unconscious, things that we may not notice in society about ourselves, uh, about what we see taking place in society that we necessarily, that may necessarily miss you uh, if you are not informed of what is go going on in society. Uh, and in this sunken place, his mother, the mother of his, uh, his Caucasian girlfriend, she would do something, talk to him, and then she would spin around a tea in her teacup, and then she would tap it a few times, and then you would go into this hypnosis. Uh, and it's supposed to, if you have struggles with drinking or cigarettes or whatever the case may be, you become immediately repulsed by it once uh, you come out of this trance. Uh, but what it played on is oftentimes in society and in the history of the United States of America, is that there are certain aspects of being black that people desire. Uh, and these, in this alternate, this twisted world, there were Caucasian people who were getting older, but they liked the fact that African Americans, uh, we, in their mind, we, we run very fast. You know, we are good at sports in those regards. We, they like the longevity, the things that they think that are superior, uh, in, in our makeup uh, of us. So they would in, put these people in a trance, they would take their brains and put it in the, in the bodies of these African Americans. Uh, so they can run fast or they could, could live longer or whatever the case may be. It was to uh, allow for longevity in their lives. And the person whose body they took, they were still uh, conscious there. They were still kind of conscious, but they could not fight it. Unless you, a flash went off or something, then you uh, snap back into it. But it is just a, a, a commentary, a, a very creative commentary on the issues of race in our country today. And I believe that title was very pertinent to this because when we read through these scriptures, uh, it is, uh, the author here is speaking to a people who have forgotten who they are. It is this idea that I've arrived, so I now need to act more like the people who we think have arrived, or the people who we think are in power or powerful, uh, that in order to be accepted, we have to uh, 
we have to alter our thinkings or ways of beings to be accepted. And in some degree, all of us want to be accepted in some degree or some measure. And we feel as though we have to, in order to be accepted, in order to avoid certain things in life, we have to, to be like other people. And we oftentimes forget where God brought us from. Uh, and we begin to believe that we can be the judge over other people uh, because we forget who we are. And he's speaking to this church community. These are not people of wealth. These are not people of privilege. These are people who, are, who were persecuted. And now that they've gotten some exposure or known certain people, uh, they now turn their nose up at people who, are, uh, who were like them who are like their family. They turn their nose up. They want to judge because in, in a way it helps to build. They have to tear someone else down, Pastor, in order to build themselves up. And I'm sure we know some people like that in our lives. Uh, uh, every opportunity that they get, that they, they have to tear someone else down. It's not necessarily in front of their faces, but they have to tear people down behind their backs by talking about them so they can feel important and feel big. You know, we, we, we a lot of times do that mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to be conscious. That's why gossiping is not good. That's essentially what it is. You have to be mindful of the things that you say and the way that you treat people. And we ought to treat all people equally, love all people. Uh, and there are wealthy people who love and serve God, and there are poor people who love and serve God. Mm -hmm. This is not a commentary on what you own in life or what you drive or what kind of house you live in. It is the, the issues of your heart that the author wants to deal with in this particular regard. That just because we are blessed in life, we don't begin to look down on other people. I like to oftentimes admit that I was at that point in my life. I, I thought I'd arrived. Uh, I, 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 I was, <laughs> that's why I have my water up here to drink every now and then, but I was one of the first in my family to go to college. Uh, I went to, uh, I was an uh, honors and AP student in middle to high school. Uh, I started off at South Carolina State University, which is an HBCU in South Carolina. Yes, Bulldog, yeah. <laughs> Uh, great school, uh, but I, I worked hard that first year of college and I got into Clemson, Clemson University. Some of you might have known of that as well. Uh, and that is a very competitive school to get into, very tough. It is a, a top 25 public institution out of about 600 colleges in the country. Uh, so it's very selective. So I felt I was feeling myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, getting into Clemson, and you know, they've been national champions. They won a championship last year. Uh, uh, so they, it's, Clemson is well known, you know, uh, and, uh, I, and it is, it is a, what we call a PWI. And a PWI is a predominantly white institution. We, we refer to those colleges. Uh, and it is in upstate of South Carolina. And anyone who knows anything about the upstate of South Carolina, that is, that is Trump country, as we would say now. Um, uh, back then it was George W. Bush country, but it, it is nevertheless is very red. Um, and when you're exposed to those things, you, you kind of want to be like the people that you're around. You kind of want to be accepted in all these different things. So I was young uh, and I was a little impressionable. 
And you know, after finishing from there, uh, in 2000, there was a, a very important event in November of 2008. I'm sure many of you are aware of that, right? In that election, because of my exposure, I did not vote for who you think I would have voted for. So I know a little something about the sunken place. Uh, I voted for the other ticket, uh, McCain-Palin. There's a, there's a, there's, I'm a preacher, there's always good news. So let me get to the bad news and then I'll get to the good news. Preachers, we gotta get to the bad news, but trust me, there's some good news to this, to this story. Uh, I did at, at that particular election, and, and one thing you have to know about me, I'm a very logical person. I, I don't like for people to tell me how I should think uh, or how to vote. And my parents were well-meaning. They were like, this is who you should vote for, and this and so. I'm like, why? Yeah, you say that you are against this, this, and this, and this, and this candidate does not align with that, so that doesn't make sense to me. At that time. <laughs> It didn't make sense to me, and I've always been that person. I'm very logical. In order to convince, you have to have a very convincing argument to get me to come over to your side. I've never been the follow the crowd kind of guy. I, you know, I'm the, I didn't try drugs in grade school at all. I was never one that cared too much about being in the in crowd. I didn't mind being contrary, uh, if you will. The good news to that is that I did redeem myself in 2012, and I voted for <laughs> President Obama. So for, before you judge me, just let me know. I redeemed myself uh, because after you became president, I began to see some things. I came out of the sunken place. I'm like, this is some, there's some racial stuff here to what's going on here. And God opened my eyes to that. And that you know, a lot of this just wasn't opposition to politics. Was, I, I'm a political science major, so I knew that, no, that's not po political. Uh, a lot of this stuff is undergirded with race and that made people uncomfortable. But I share that to say that we, even Reverend Minson, uh, has been a, a victim of the sunken place. Therefore, I can be understanding and I can preach to people without judging people and say, we have to be mindful of the way that we think. Uh, and we as Christians, just because we are born again, you're saved, and even if you speak in tongues, that, that does not make you a better Christian than other people. Uh, that we have a responsibility as believers and as Christians to be able to empathize with the stations of life that people are in. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to be a woman to understand that women are often treated as second class citizens in our country right. and to support their aims and what they believe. I don't need to be a woman to be able to empathize with that and to understand that and to deal with those issues. I don't need to be an illegal immigrant to understand and to say that if I were in their position and, and they were south of the wealthiest country in the history of humankind, that if I love my family so much and I could cross the border and probably get away with it, I'd probably cross the border too. I don't need to be an illegal immigrant to understand those needs. I don't need to have had a bad altercation with cops, and I've never had those issues with police officers, thank God, in, in my life, to understand that when people are saying that these are the things that are going on, that I have to believe them and trust them, just because it didn't happen to me, uh, that there's something that has to be wrong when you're getting shot by a cop in your own house. There's something terribly wrong in our society when you're not even safe in your own home anymore. 
There, I don't need to be in those positions to be able to empathize and understand those situations. What I need to understand is I am a man who's an African-American, and I've touched and felt and dealt with people who experience these things, and I've heard it. And though I may have not exactly gone through the same things, I have an obligation to stand with those who are being oppressed. I never want anyone to put me on the side of the op uh, oppressor class. I'm very conscious of that. I am very conscious of, uh, we as Christians, we have to understand things that we are a privileged class as well, mm -hmm. to some degree. If you are a Christian in the United States of America, regardless of what color you are, you're very privileged. Because we have brothers and sisters in the faith around the world who cannot worship freely as we do every Sunday. Uh, there are individuals who cannot freely even not go to church if they don't want to. We can choose not to go to church every Sunday we want. Uh, people might look at you funny after a while, but you still have that choice. Yeah. We are privileged. privileged. And with that privilege, we have to understand our brothers and our sisters in life. This was the message that the author was trying to give to the church. Don't forget where you were. Yeah. Don't drink the Kool-Aid that the oppressors are trying to get you to drink. You have to understand where you came from. We have to understand Jesus. Jesus was not of, even though he was of privilege, he denied his privilege. Yes. He was the son of yes. God. And he denied his privilege and said, I'm going to be with those who are oppressed. I'm not going to follow the edicts of the Sadducees and the Pharisees who say that I should do X, Y, and Z. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to do what everyone else said a rabbi should do. I see that there are people are in need, and if I have to help people in need on the Sabbath, I'm going to help people in need on Sabbath. Because God cares uh, about life, that sometimes you have to go up against the grain in order to do what's right. And we have to trust God. Trust God enough to say, God, to always remind me of myself and remind me where you brought me from. I, I don't get down on my knees. I don't talk to God every day because I think I've arrived. I talk so God can keep me because I know what I can, I'm capable of. And that's just being truthful. That's why I don't, things don't have control over me in that way because I admit, God, this is a problem. I need you to be here with me with this particular problem. Because when you don't give it a name, it has control over you. When you choose to pretend that you've arrived and you're perfect, then you make yourself the judge over other people. When in fact, God wants us to help to rebuild the individual, to help rehabilitate, rehabilitate individuals. This is the purpose of the church, to rehabilitate individuals, to be who God has created them to be, to be their best self as God sees fit in their lives, not for us to create them in our own image, because we're all different, we're all unique, we're all beautiful. Uh, but when we are all together, there's a beautiful thing that happens in the house of God. Yes. So we have to be mindful of that. And they often want to bring this up because it was very intentional. They were trying to bring divisions in the, this was a synagogue at the time, trying to bring division in the, the house of believers. And we have to be unified. And we have to be on the same page. We have to operate from the same spirit if we are truly to do what God has called for us to do and not to be in, again, that sunken place. That sunken place where we, we choose to pretend that we have not come from a certain place so that we can tear someone else down in order that we may feel better. Uh, that is not Christ-like, that is not beautiful, that's ugly, and that's evil. Uh, it lacks humility. 
And what God wants us to do is to be individuals who are humble, who are humble. God's love will, you, if you trust God's love, God's love can do more to change a person than any law. Uh, the law did not save any one of us. It was the love of God and Jesus Christ that saved us. Uh, the law was a reminder and it's a mirror of our sinful nature. Uh, but it was Jesus on that cross who showed us uh, through, though the Son of God, showed us humanity. That God hated sin so much that God would allow for God's only begotten son to be crucified on the cross, beaten beyond recognition, because that's how much God hates sin. So if God hates sin that much, just imagine how much God loves us. Just imagine the differences that we can make in the world if we love one another as we love ourselves. That act of love over 2,000 years ago has blessed all of us and continues to bless people today. So as we move forward, my brothers and sisters, during this time of need, and, and we live in some very strange times in our country, uh, where individuals who are trying to divide us, or is it we against them, uh, believing that it's, uh, in some places it may be a pretty good political strategy, uh, but it lacks morality. To, to try to appeal to the worst impulses of human beings yeah. for votes so that you can have power and not taking into account what you will leave behind. Our current situation is not eternal. Uh, it will pass. Uh, this too shall pass. Uh, but we have to be mindful again that we don't adopt those same principles. And the church has stood through some very difficult times in history, and we're going to make it through this one as well. Uh, but we also have to make sure that our house is in order as well. We have to make sure that we are not also uh, having those same impulses that we see that are so ugly in our society now. We, as a church, have to say that this is not what God looks like. This is not what the community looks like, uh, the, that we as believers, we believe in the truth as God tells us is the truth. That we stand on Jesus Christ and these are the things that we have to do in our lives. And we're all gonna have an opportunity in life, especially young people here, because it's not, it should be a natural progression that we are, that our, the younger generation should be better off than the generation that preceded them. But my prayer is that as they are exposed to the world more than we are, uh, that they gain education, that they don't shun uh, their ancestors, uh, that they don't think that they're better than their ancestors, that we too, uh, who are sitting here and we worship in these nice buildings and, these, uh, and, and we come here today, uh, that we don't shun uh, what our ancestors have gone through so that we can be able to be here today that we always remember their memory and that we love one another and that we make that an intentional act uh, each and every day. Uh, that we make sure that all God's people feel welcome to come into any church in the country, come as they are, uh, because God's not offended by any one of us. And that we allow for people to have experience with God so they can have that changing, transformative experience that they need and that we have in our lives. And how God deals with everyone else is going to be different than how God dealt with me or Pastor Marriott or anyone else here. But God is competent and God can do it. 
So let us not forget who we are or where we came from. Let us not be entranced by the idea that we've arrived, so therefore we can judge other people. Because at the end of the day, no one in here has any authority to take any, put anyone in heaven or in a hell. But we all are working towards the same journey, and that is to be better people and that we also love God. So again, as the scripture says, if there's someone who's coming here with the finest things and, and there's someone poor, what will your reaction be to the poor person who doesn't look like anyone else here today, someone who doesn't look like us? What will be your reaction? And if you're truthful with yourself, you ask God to help my heart help me deal with the individuals I work with or who are my family so that they may see Christ and not see me and not see my issues. And that is what God wants us to do so that we don't end up in that sunken place. Amen. Thank you and God bless you.